Welcome to the PJ Alberta podcast series. My name is Chris Ward, and I'll be your host today. In today's episode, we introduce you to a U.S. Kids Top 50 instructor and associate professional at the Derrick Golf and Winter Club, Adam Warbecki. Adam has had a storied career in our industry and has had the distinction of winning the 2011 PGA Canada Junior Leader of the Year and 2015 PGA Canada Teacher of the Year. Today, he'll help us understand what it takes to run a successful junior program and what those of you can do to further improve as a golf professional. Welcome to the podcast, Adam, and I look forward to learning from you and getting to know you a little bit better. Thanks, Chris. Thanks for having me on. Awesome. Let's jump right in. Um, so tell me a little bit about your journey. What? Uh, how did you get into the golf industry? Well, actually, I uh, didn't really get into the golf industry until later on. So uh, it wasn't until I was 18 years old and managed to get a job with a gentleman by the name of Derek Forsyth out in Ontario. And I didn't know Derek, but knew his, his father really quite well. And um, Derek started gave me a chance. He didn't know me, but uh, gave me a job. So I flew on out there and worked for him for two seasons out in Ontario. Um, then I kind of moved out to BC where I started to go to school in Victoria. And uh, when I was at university, he uh, gave me a call and says, Adam, I'm going to BC. Do you want to come join me? And I said, for sure. I really enjoy working for him. Um, so I actually had an opportunity to work for him for about three more years out there in BC. And uh, it was great though. I mean, he's pretty much like a big brother to me. And I had the chance to work with a couple other guys who, uh, uh, a great guy as well, Matt Shaw and Todd Lawson. And, uh, those guys really did a lot for me. In other words, they, they really kind of put me in a lot of situations where I was sort of really forced to learn or be exposed to a lot of things. And, and they were phenomenal guys for me. So um, from there, actually, you know, Derek moved out of East. And so I had a chance to work for a gentleman by the name of Denny MacArthur at a, golf, a club not too far away, only about a half hour away and uh, in Castlegar. And uh, Denny, Denny was amazing. He'd probably been there for about 30 years. Uh, maybe when I got there, he's probably already been there for about 30 years. And what an amazing professional. Um, him and his wife, Dione, and, and his daughters, Kara and, and Alana, they're a phenomenal family. And can't say enough about them for everything they did for me for those four years that I worked for them. Um, Denny was the kind of guy that really you learned lots from just by watching him interact with people, um, whether it was a junior walk in the shop or, or just a a longtime member or even just a guest and, and he made everyone feel so welcome and uh, you know Danny Danny was not only just a great professional but uh, a really good teacher and uh, did a lot for junior golf out there so being able to watch with him um, watch him teach teach alongside him teach in front of him um, <laughs> it, it's pretty awesome to spend lots of time with him out there and uh, you know just the kind of guy you kind of want to be around and and taking as much as you could from him so um, from there actually uh, my wife and I we went out to Edmonton, back to Edmonton, which is really kind of home for me, and uh, managed to get a job with uh, the Derrick Club. We're uh, working for Trevor Goplin, who, again, another great mentor of mine, and I've been at the Derrick Club now for 14 seasons. This will be my 15th season, so um, again, another person who has had such an impact on my career, and I've had an opportunity to work for so, so many other assistants and professionals and stuff like that, and people at the club that, uh, I mean, it's, it's really kind of been... Uh, pretty special place that the tutors and structures that we've had sort of growing up. And um, I think some of the biggest things is just the relationships that you sort of have with them. Um, you know, I think that's what really stands out. You got to get to know people, um, which I really enjoy doing. I mean, I think a lot of people that I do spend time with the families, the juniors, the students I've had over the years, really just sort of getting to know them and their families. Um, and that's such an important thing for me because uh, for somebody to take a lesson from you or to have their kids take a lesson from you, it's, it's, 
pretty special and it's a real honor to spend time with them. So um, getting to know them and uh, really trying to work hard at being a good listener. I think that's something that we all uh, need to be better at and better communicators. So it's something I'm always continually working on. Um, I think that, you know, it's uh, as a coach, other assets that are important. It's, it's not so much about all the certifications or even awards or anything like that. None of that stuff really matters. Um, thinking back to our coaches, if we think back to those ones who had the biggest impact on us, they just made us feel comfortable and you just knew that they cared a lot about you. Um, and it didn't really matter how much knowledge they sort of had. Those are the ones that had the biggest impact on you. So um, as a coach, you have to be able to relate to the, the students or the individual in front of you and build those kind of relationships that last a long time. So I think one of our first interactions we had together was out at the TCCP, like level one coaching program for the PGA Canada out at, uh, I think it was at Willow Park actually. And you're one of our evaluators, but I think it was. obviously yeah. you've had a lot of uh, opportunity to work with new professionals and maybe what wouldn't be like one of the things you, you see that they struggle with the most. Well, yeah, I, I think it, it's really, it's lots of fun actually getting to know all these, uh, you know, new professionals and stuff like that. Cause I mean, I look back and think that that wasn't too long ago that I was sitting right there like they were. Um, you know, I think that when we kind of get into teaching and coaching, uh, it's pretty intimidating to get in front of somebody and, and then try to hopefully share some knowledge with them and help them get better. Um, and there's a little bit of pressure behind that too. So uh, it's pretty intimidating when you first start, but I think confidence is something that we gain through a lot of experience. And then, um, you know, the more confidence you'll have by spending time with other instructors and coaches as well, the more you watch other people teach. I think that's such a big thing that maybe we don't do enough of is teaching alongside of other, other professionals or, having people shadow each other. I think that that confidence would really help others. Um, it helped these new professionals put them sort of at ease that they could do this as well. Um, and it's, it's not that hard, but it's, it's pretty special. And uh, just being able to organize your thoughts and maybe not uh, give them every little bit of information that you've learned over the years, um, that, that's probably a big thing. But the preparation is also important too. Um, I think it, as new professionals, um, spending time with the student, getting to know them first, what their goals actually are, what they'd like to get out of the sessions with you. And, and from there, you know, just preparing that for that lesson, because then you're sort of ready for any situation that may come. So um, a lot of the preparation stuff's important. And also understanding that, you know, we're learning at the same time the student's learning too. So a big part of, you know, when you're first getting into this is also reflecting on your lessons, whether they're really good or maybe a lesson that you sort of feel like could have been a little bit better and taking the time afterwards to sort of take as much as you can out of it. What did you do really well? Could have been a little bit better and then then how do you think you're going to approach the next lesson with that student or with another student so um, confidence is a big one preparation and then making sure that we're reflecting would be three sort of keys i think new professionals could take along with them that would maybe help them along their way that's, that's some great advice there, Adam. I, I know for myself like i can still remember the first ever golf lesson i gave here at the club it was uh there's a female member that won it at our uh, our ladies closing event and won a, a free lesson with me I still remember like going out to the range and really not being confident and just trying to share so much information and just the information overload. So you made a great point there about, I mean, just gaining that confidence and you don't really have to validate yourself out in that lesson. You're really just out there to kind of keep that relationship with that student and uh, no. improve them as the best they can. And completely. I mean, you probably look now at how much you've sort of grown mm -hmm. since that time, but it does take those experiences, you know, when you go through it and, uh, I think, you know, right now you probably look at yourself and think of how much you've grown as an instructor and a coach, and it's pretty satisfying to see how far you've come and developed, right? Oh, for sure. And yeah, I, I definitely think that, this, that the whole idea of reflection after each lesson, I mean, you, I think everyone's had one of those lessons where you walk out and you're like, that was, that was probably the best lesson I've ever given. And you also walk out of some lesson and you think maybe that 
this wasn't the exact thing I wanted to work on and it kind of got out of carried away and that's where that preparation really comes in so yeah some great points there Adam yeah, I still do it to this day that reflection part of it and I think sometimes you know it's uh it's interesting when you get uh, you know a number of students throughout a day and you might be doing the you know very similar stuff with this, each of them but uh you know, it's different to try to walk out there and, and try to say it differently and think of ways of, um, you know, demonstrating something differently. And I think those are fun challenges for yourself, but the reflection part of it helps you sort of grow and figure out a plan of attack for next time. That, that makes a lot of sense. So obviously you've been at the Dare Club for, uh, yeah, the last 14 seasons now. And when I think of great junior programs in the uh, the Edmonton area, never mind Alberta area, um, I just, I think of the Dare Club. I mean, you guys have something really special over there. Maybe tell us a little bit about what the junior program looked like in the past and uh, what you hope it looks like in the future. Well, I guess there's there's a lot going on at the Dare Club, not just golf alone. So we're, we're pretty fortunate that way that um, we can sort of tie in some of our programs and stuff that we do with other uh, sports at the program or other, or other um, sports and programs at the club. So, you know, we do some combo camps with some other sports, some multi-sport stuff as well. That the golf is just uh, one item on the list of things, which is great because then we get to expose a lot of juniors to uh, to golf itself. And, you know, I guess when we have a club like ours, which is a big family-oriented facility, um, it gives us a chance to keep growing and building on what we do every single year. Um, so when I first got there, obviously we had some pretty popular programs and stuff like that, but it's amazing to see over 14 years how much it's grown. Um, things from our junior night where we can have up to – you know, 60, 70 juniors up on a, you know, a junior night itself. And then you add on all these like teams that we have, competitive teams and programs and, uh, you know, pretty much intros to the sport and, and it keeps growing every year. And it's, it's pretty cool to sort of see it grow. But I think even that still the same framework that we have with a lot of our programs is still very much the same. We just keep changing what we do to sort of uh, keep learning, keeping it fresh and keeping it exciting for a lot of the juniors that are there. So I think with all the events and tournaments and fun stuff that we have for the juniors, um, it really is just tip of the iceberg. We've got a lot of fun stuff coming up that we've got planned that we uh, you know try to introduce something new each year. Uh, so there's a lot of things in the uh, on the list that still have yet to come and still have yet to be released and unveiled. So that's very exciting at the Derrick Club. Yeah, for sure. I mean, I, I still remember the, uh, the tour I got at the spring seminar. I believe it was you that kind of took me on the tour and like just the, the sheer size of that facility, Never mind all the different things that you guys offer. It's, uh, it's really something special over there. And obviously there's a lot of benefits to that. Uh, like maybe go, go through some of the benefits of having that multifaceted club, multi-sport club. For sure. I, I mean, having a lot of stuff happening in one club, it allows some of the, the kids to be able to, or even families, to kind of get the kids involved in a lot of sports or a lot of activities in, in one location. So there's not a lot of travel time. So juniors can essentially go from swimming lesson, grab a bite to eat, come on out to you know a, a golf program or jump on the golf course and play in practice. Um, they can also do badminton and tennis and you know all sorts of stuff. So um, I'm always amazed at actually what's actually happens at the club itself. Sometimes I see some of the programs and I'm like, wow, we actually offer that. That's pretty cool. So, um, but it does allow us to sort of um, have a big reach with a lot of our juniors and at least allow them to sort of dip their toes in for some of them. If golf is not their number one sport or even in their top five, um, to give golf a try. And, and some of them really jump in and they go, wow, I've never really, really played golf before, but this is pretty cool. So you might want to actually take up the game. Um, that, that's a big thing too. But also another big thing is that we get, um, you know, obviously having our fitness facility and stuff like that, we've always had some of our trainers and stuff like that actively involved in some of our programs. There's a number of our team programs that, you know, essentially we have some of our fitness professionals out there with us all the time. Um, it's something that they can do and, um, uh, really sort of help us sort of develop these athletes that we have at the club and they get to spend time with these juniors in all sorts of areas at the club. So, 
um, it's pretty cool, pretty special place. It makes a lot of fun and very engaging place. For I, I think back to the like TPI level two junior uh, certification there. They really talked about how golf is really just not a sport that a lot of kids kind of flock to immediately. It's uh, I mean, like you said, it's not sometimes not even in the top five for some kids, especially if you've never really had that opportunity. And I, I really think with the fact that you have all these other sports there and the golf course is also there as well, like you just get and pulling it so many more juniors and that nets is so much bigger to kind of grow the game which is awesome yeah no definitely and then for some of the juniors i mean uh, uh, they jump into golf and golf becomes one of their top sports and they want to play and play competitively and and run with it and, and for others they go hey you know what this is pretty cool i've played golf a few times in my life but you never know later on down the road they might actually take up the game more just because they've been exposed to it so you know for us it's just uh, you know introducing it to a lot of our members and you know sharing with them how good of a sport it is so let's let's just say I'm starting a junior program tomorrow, or maybe trying to reinvent my junior program. What uh, what's the best piece of advice you can give to someone starting up a junior program? Wow, um, that's a really good question. I I'd probably would say I mean I guess if I had to start it over again, or even to uh, you know revamp it, I we do this every year. We sort of look at what we currently do and um, almost break it down, uh, whether it was successful or not, or does it need to be changed or. And I think that's important to always do because you don't ever have it sort of you know, perfect. And I think there's always ways we can always make things better. But I do think if, if I did have to sort of start up a program, I'd probably keep it pretty simple. I'd probably look at the, the members that we do have or the juniors, I think, that would participate in it and create a program, some programs for them and some events for them just to get them out and their families and really sort of introduce the game to them and to the families as well. But keep it pretty simple. I wouldn't try to do too much. Uh, it's amazing when you sort of I think back to you know, years when I spent time in BC and, and I'm very fortunate to be around a group of juniors when I first actually spent time in BC and um, there's probably about 10 or 15 juniors and, and they're phenomenal golfers. I think they're a high school team, maybe the highest handicap on there was like a three handicap. Uh, amazing golfers, all of them very, very good. And they didn't have any technology. They didn't have any coaching, um, nothing really formal, uh, no lessons really, nothing that was organized and they just played in practice. So when I was actually you know, obviously working on my own game to, to turn professional, I, I spent a lot of time golfing and practicing with them. And there wasn't anything that they had except for a, a short golf course and a very small putting green and a driving range that didn't go any farther than 200 yards. So you don't need much, say, equipment. Um, you don't need uh, big facilities. You don't need technology and stuff like that to really create, a, you know, a real desire for a lot of juniors to take part in the game. And they had a great program out there or I should say a lot of junior members out there that took part, but nothing really formal. So I think if I had to do things over or start up a program, I'd keep it really simple um, and just really involve staff. They're really engaging. Um, that's probably one of the biggest things. It's uh, You can have a wonderful layout of a program, same structure, and it, it takes off in one facility and then not in another. And I actually think it has more to do with us as professionals and how you know we um, present the game and, and you know, teach the game. Uh, the more excited we are and passionate we are and the more energy we have, you know, it's hard not to enjoy the game of golf for sure. So I think I'd keep it really simple. Um, don't do too much. It involves some, you know, programs, some lessons, some uh, coaching, and, and uh, some events that really kind of get kids on the course more often and playing. So um, if I had to actually, you know, obviously revamp a program, I would just look at sort of maybe what's missing, what might get the juniors out there more often or them out there with their families to enjoy it that much more, get them at the club a few more times throughout the week. Uh, just to experience golf and think of golf a little differently. Uh, golf is not always 18 holes. Golf could literally be a session in the short game area or uh, something fun on the range, um, skills competitions, stuff like that that make, get people out there that maybe aren't interested in playing nine holes or 18 or don't have time to, but 
um, try to create those golf experiences that aren't maybe your typical 18 hole, you know, event, that sort of thing. So um, just try to think about golf just maybe a little differently. I mean, with your time at the Derrick and all these other clubs with junior programs and everything, you've obviously came up with some creative games for juniors. I think every club's got their own uh, spin on some games for sure, but maybe, uh, maybe give the listeners a, uh, one of your favorite mini games you would have for juniors. Oh boy. That's, that's, that's tough. Um, I'd probably say, you know, maybe, you know, one that, that has always sort of stood the test of time and it's so simple because uh, even when I was on BC, like I said, I didn't have a lot of any, you know, training aids or any cool technology, nothing like that. So um, it was a game that a gentleman showed me. He was actually from Australia and, and it was, you end up calling it Survivor, and which is kind of neat. It was a lot of fun, but it was very competitive. So I actually find that to this day, I still get requests scored. Um, actually, believe it or not, I taught a junior, or a, I should say a, a lady this year, and I taught her when she was about five years old when I first got to the club. And so now she's obviously in university, but she still remembers this game and, and still kind of lights up thinking about it. And Survivor is pretty simple, and uh, you need nothing more than a few tees. So you kind of get every junior to grab a tee from their bag, and you, you got five or six juniors, and you surround a hole, and everyone puts a tee in the ground and it could be anywhere from three, four, five, six feet away. And everyone stand next to their tee. And, and really the name of the game is you just want to work your way around all the tees and knock out people by passing them. So um, you'd stand right next to your tee and you figure out who goes first. And if they make the putt, they move clockwise to the next tee. If you make it, you move. If you miss, you stay. And uh, the idea there is just to be able to first be the first person to knock everybody out. So you're trying to chase the person in front of you and trying to run away from the person behind you. Um, but it gives juniors time to actually go ahead and while I'm hitting my putt, the juniors around the circle are actually going ahead and they're setting up theirs, lining up their putts, doing their practice strokes. So they're kind of getting ready for their time to actually go ahead and hit the putt. Um, and the cool thing about this is, is we started to change, it starts to take on all new life as you start to introduce this over the years to juniors. And it's just, um, so it, it actually came on to uh, where juniors, instead of getting knocked out and then going starting another game, um, became the idea that juniors, when they got knocked out, essentially they got passed, they would just become a ghost. They would actually keep playing. So nobody ever really left the game. No one ever stopped. And they would just become a ghost, which means they can still keep playing, um, but they just can't, uh, you know, they can't actually win the game until they, if, unless they come back to life. And the only way they come back to life is actually by passing one of the other players. So it really kind of made it pretty interesting where even those ones that maybe get passed a couple times, all it took was them for them to pass one more person and they're back to life and they could actually essentially win the game. So really sort of fast paced in a way, but uh, a game that really stood the test of time and it didn't take any more than a handful of tees and away you go. That's kind of the great thing about some of these uh, these drills you can come up with. I mean, it's it just takes some creativity, and it doesn't take a lot of her training aids or anything. But I mean, the fact that 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 one member that you have there still remembers it from when she was five years old is pretty incredible. And that sounds like a great game. I mean, something that I'll definitely look to add to our junior program this season. That's a that's a great drill there. So obviously, um, COVID had many many different challenges for golf courses this year, but. Um, I'd say a big one that it affected was junior programs. I mean, uh, generally large groups. Um, it's the largest group classes you're generally doing at your course in some cases. Um, what what would be some of the challenges that maybe you had for uh, your junior programming this season, and how did you adapt? Yeah, you, you know, COVID, I think, threw a lot of a short curveball, but, I mean, it turned out to be such a good opportunity because there's so many more people interested in taking up the game because golf was something we could do safely. I think the curveball through us was just, uh, you know, for us trying to make sure that we obviously created a really safe environment for the juniors. That was really important to us. 
making sure they felt comfortable so families felt like, you know, that they're safe when they come up to the club and then they could enjoy the golf experience um, and, and learn actually in a, in a place where that wasn't as much of a distraction. So our goal is to sort of make this essentially the home away from home where, you know, people felt safe enough to uh, come on out and spend time together and, and learn. So, um, you know, a different shape or different look to some of the programs and stuff that we ran. We obviously condense things a little bit we weren't able to run some of the stuff that we really do look forward to enjoying and, and running each year but um, as we got more comfortable with this and, and obviously figured we sort of had it set up pretty safely with all of the protocol it, it turned out to be a really good experience for a lot of people and I think uh, everyone sort of really did enjoy themselves it did it did make things a little different obviously with some of the events and stuff we couldn't run but you know what all in all we were very happy to be able to uh, create that sort of a setting for people to come on up and you know, at the end of the day, it's we got to golf, so it was pretty cool. Yeah, the golf industry was definitely one of the industries that had that somewhat positive effect from COVID. Just, just we saw this huge boom in the amount of players that were coming out to the golf course. What would you say as a golf professional that we can do to help grow the game and help more junior players who don't normally get exposed to golf get an opportunity to play a little bit more golf? Yeah, I think that that's that's pretty important. I mean, we can sort of stay in our little bubble, you know, just at our club. But it is important for us to sort of, you know, continue to grow the game outside of that as well. Um, there's a lot of people who might never, ever get exposed to the game of golf that uh, it may turn out to love it. So I do think we've had the opportunity at uh, the Derrick Club to sort of put some of those uh, national golfing schools, kids inside of schools. Um, that's a great way to sort of get kids that may never actually pick up a club to sort of jump out there and, and you know, obviously uh, get those teachers out there with those kits and, and introduce the game to some of those kids. Um, that's been, a, I think that's a great way of doing it. I think that uh, other opportunities bring in a friend to the course where a junior can go and bring a friend right up to the club as well that maybe doesn't play golf and they can just give it a try. Um, those are those are some obviously great opportunities to sort of, you know, get people exposed to the game. Um, golf is, is pretty addicting and it's a lot of fun when juniors get to do it with others. So um, any way that we can get other juniors to the clubs as well and even just trying it. And like I said before, golf doesn't always have to look like something where they have to play golf in the golf course um, golf for a lot of people could just literally be a, an opportunity to go to the driving range together and have a lot of fun out there um, anything from small skills competitions to a uh, little parts or pitch and putt um, all those sort of things that, that just kind of get people thinking more about golf it could be mini golf for for that matter and just be an unbelievable opportunity for some people definitely yeah. agree about us uh, really i mean us as pga Canada professionals i mean it's really our responsibility to grow the game and i think uh, yeah just reaching out to a lot more juniors that maybe don't have that opportunity. So like the national golf and schools program is definitely something that we've looked at. Um, I've had the awesome opportunity to work with the PGA Canada uh, diversity and inclusion task force. And that's something yeah. that we've been really looking towards uh, is trying to, I mean, just grow the game to the, not this, that the usual kind of people that are playing the game of golf. I mean, there's, there's so many different cultures and communities of, uh, of people out there, especially across Canada that, maybe uh, kind of just missed that opportunity in the past. So really just getting in front of them with golf clubs and giving them the opportunity to club in their hands and fall in love with the game like we did. So yeah, most it's, uh, definitely. it's definitely Super a great important. game. Yeah, really important. Sure. It definitely should be a focus of ours for sure. No doubt. I've, uh, I know a couple of great juniors uh, in the Edmonton area here, and um, you've had the opportunity to coach a number of top juniors. Um, and specifically with coaching elite juniors, what's uh, what's the key thing you're looking for in the student? Uh, I, I think that some big things for sure is their their desire to sort of learn. 
love seeing juniors that, uh, you know, there's going to be a lot more times that they're going to actually lose or, or, or struggle or fail, especially in this crazy game that we do play. But um, looking for somebody who's willing to learn and really put in the effort. Um, again, everyone's got sort of different goals. So I would say that, um, you know, not everyone's got a, got goals of sort of playing college golf or turning professional or anything like that. But, um, you know, it's pretty cool when you sort of see someone who's a, a good sport, willing to put in the work, you know, has a real sort of desire to learn and a real team player for sure. Um, supportive of others and really somebody you can build a relationship with. I think a lot of the juniors that um, have been very fortunate to spend a lot of time with it, when you have a good relationship with them, um, it's amazing sort of, uh, you know, what you learn about them and then you watch them sort of grow. And um, I mean, been fortunate to be there at the club right now for 14 years. So there's a lot of juniors that have, you know, are in university that have been able to spend, you know, 14 years with. So it's, it's pretty cool to sort of see, but for a lot of the elite ones or the ones that are really looking at taking up the game and, and taking it pretty serious, you know, being a good sport, um, a never ending learner and just a real desire to, to push themselves and, and the others around them. So, uh, like one of the things I took away from one of the recent tea talks that we we've done was, uh, the acronym of fail and just like it's really it's their first attempt in learning and some of those as elite players they're just they're not as scared they're not scared to fail they're gonna they're gonna learn from those opportunities and they're just they're just avid learners in that way yeah most definitely yeah it's a great characteristic to sort of see in them that their desire to keep going when they lose it's a, that they don't succeed that the, they just keep going yeah that's a, that's a really good trait for sure um well it's it's been really cool for you to watch uh your juniors grow up over the years like how do you uh obviously you had to work with tons of different juniors what 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 would you say is one of the best ways to kind of keep them engaged in your programs Uh, i think a big thing keeping them engaged i mean i think it's always when i feel like i'm really excited about it and i think i get excited because i continually try to learn myself so um, continually doing education seminars trying to learn as much as i can so i can really help them succeed and, and enjoy the game that much more. So I think each year my goal is to sort of better myself um, so I can show them that this is something that we do, but then also bring more to the table each and every year to sort of create programs and, and practices and uh, give them some engaging sort of stuff to, to take part in, um, whether it be events or things that they're learning or, or showing them more directions. They get kind of excited about seeing their improvement each and every year. But a big part of like keeping them engaged is also like of they can see it in us. Like how excited are we there to be with them? And if they see us as being very passionate about the sport and, and excited to see them, um, it's pretty hard not for them to sort of, you know, continually want to take part in the game every year. Briefly touched about it, um, about the certifications and some of the education courses, like maybe what would you maybe suggest for someone that's looking to get a little bit more education in junior golf uh, and maybe some more certifications? What would you look towards? I think that there's, Lots of good resources out there. And I think that the thing that for sure to do is try to take in as much as you can and then pull the pieces you like that sort of would work well for you at your facility. Um, things from like the FutureLinks program. Um, there's tons of great information there. National Golf and Schools. If you ever get a chance to look at that manual, there's lots of good stuff in there. Um, we have uh, Snag Golf. Again, that's some wonderful stuff. And then you, Operation 36, uh, something fairly new in the last number of years. They've done a great job and they keep improving things. Those are things that resources that really, when you start to learn lots about all those, um, then you start to take the bits and pieces that you like and, and really start to develop your own program and obviously away you go from there. It kind of goes hand in hand with building your own teaching philosophy too. I mean, just kind of going to all these different education things, learning from people and you, you kind of find what fits for you, what works for you, what works for your course and uh, 
can really really just build off that, which is a great way to do it. Yeah, completely. I think that really at the end of the day, our goal is, um, you know, really sort of set the environment. And um, this kind of just reminds me of something like when I was out working in BC, there was a there's a professional in the area and he had actually won um, junior leader of the year in BC. And uh, I remember reading this in the, in the BC newsletter. Um, he had actually had a quote in there and it really kind of hit home for me. So I actually took this quote, tightened it up, stuck it to my wall for a number of years. And I just always looked at this because it really sort of made sense to me. And it was, um, you know, we introduce the game to kids and give them the opportunity to play, nurture their development of their skills and let this great game and wonderful environment assist in their personal development. So I think our goal is to take all all of our knowledge, all these ideas that we sort of have, and, and really try to create this environment that really allows them to grow and develop and, and learn this great game. So um, it's, it's a lot of fun to sort of every year try to keep um, learning more and more ourselves so we can kind of creep, keep on creating this environment for them. I got some rapid fire questions here, maybe just to kind of finish off with. Yeah, man, fire away. Awesome. Um, so in your career, anything you uh, would have done differently? I would have probably sought out a, a lot more mentors for sure. Cause I think those people that I've gotten to spend time with over the years, um, I've learned so much from them, but if I had a chance to, uh, you know, seek out more of them, uh, I would definitely would have done that for sure. Most memorable golf shot. Most memorable golf shot. It was, oh, uh, Last hole of my PAT for sure, as a part of three, definitely was a memorable shot. Um, yeah, that would probably would sound be the most memorable for sure. I I could still remember one that uh, was pretty exciting to be a part of. I mean, one of the few rounds of golf we played together. But maybe maybe touch on that one quickly. Where, where was that one at? That was uh, that was Scottsdale National there uh, with uh, I think that was an ace you had right in front of the head professional at the club yeah, too. That's right. We actually had a great group that day too. I think. Tom Griner probably, I think he was hit just ahead of me and probably hit his golf ball to about maybe six inches, if that. Um, and then I was fortunate enough to step up after him and, you know, obviously hit it and it actually went into the hole. So it was pretty exciting, actually. A very cool hole and a pretty cool place, but a, a great group to, to play with that afternoon. So that was lots of fun. Yeah, there was, there was, definitely, uh, there was definitely some noise on that tee box, but uh, <laughs> still I don't think it was anywhere uh, to compete with the group of Brady Carlson and Evan Dickey a few holes behind us. No, there are definitely a few holes behind us, weren't they? Yeah, I, I think so for sure. Um, okay, what favorite golf course that you've played? Uh, the Bay Course at Kapalua. I got to spend time with my parents and, and my wife playing out there, so uh, uh, that's definitely number one on my list for sure. That or uh, Metropolitan oh. on, in, in Australia, that would also be up there as well. That, uh, yeah, I guess anywhere overseas and uh, maybe Australia would be a pretty cool opportunity out there for sure. But, yeah, I've heard nothing but good things about the Bay Course. Um, Go-to snack at the turn. It would probably be, if they do have it, uh, at least at the Dairy Club they do, they kind of have these in-house made granola bars. So that would be my for sure go-to. It's, uh, it's, a, it's a very healthy choice there, Adam. <laughs> yeah, I skipped the hot dog. Uh, okay. <laughs> For sure. Uh, okay. Last closing question. Um, do you have any other wisdom you'd like to share with us, Adam? Wow. I think, uh, you know, we're very fortunate in our association. I have so many great professionals. Um, I think that it's, it's kind of nice to, to continually sort of not only help each other, but um, to seek each other out to, to find answers and, and get help with things. I think that uh, um, looking at a lot of professionals in our zone, um, there's a lot of people out there that I definitely have seen what they've done, they've done and, and look up to them. So, I think as us as professionals, we've got an amazing 
group that we can learn a lot from. So continue to share and, and help each other out. And um, I think we should continue to pick up the phone and and uh, you know see what everybody else is doing so we can learn from each other because uh, we're doing pretty good out here in Alberta for sure. Yeah, we, we sure are. I think that's one of the strongest things about our uh, our zone here is just kind of that open uh, open information. I mean, you could there's everyone's trying to help each other out, which is great. So most definitely. Uh, well, Adam, I'd like to thank you for uh, for joining us today. Um, I mean, it's it was, it was definitely I learned a lot today. So yeah, thanks again for joining us. Thanks for having me on, bud. Thank you for tuning in, and stay tuned for more episodes from the PGA Alberta podcast. And good luck with the 2021 season.